WSJM News Now. This is the 5 o'clock News Block on News Talk Sports 94.9 WSJM. Brought to you by the Town Crier Wire. In the newsroom, I'm Andrew Green. The new revitalization plan being floated by the Orchard's mall owner is a non-starter, according to Benton Township Supervisor Kathy Yates. More from WSJM's Ken Lundberg. For years, the all-but-abandoned Orchards Mall has been the talk of different ideas for how to reimagine and use the property in a better way than what's there today. About two months ago, Marion County Commissioner Shokwe Pitchford asked the mall's owner for a proposal and how much capital they'd be willing to invest. The plan was shared with a few local officials, including Benton Charter Township Supervisor Kathy Yates, who says she reviewed the plan. It includes turning a part of the mall into residential units, and Yates says that's a non-starter. The plan that has been delivered is not workable and I've not heard from the Orchard Mall owners. They need to step it up. The mall has faced a number of issues over the years including lack of property upkeep, water mains breaking, unpaid property taxes and most recently thousands of nesting gulls. Ken Lundberg, WSJM News. Neighbors organizing against racism is planning to repaint the Black Lives Matter mural in Benton Harbor. Director Trenton Bowens tells us the mural on Colfax Avenue in front of Benton Harbor High School was first painted in 2020 and it's in need of a refresh. However, they need to raise funds before that can happen. We have to raise the funds because it's a special type of paint. It's a street marking paint that we have to utilize. And Sherwin-Williams is one of the only distributors that carries it locally and it's around $125 a bucket. Bowen says they've already raised about $600 and will need another 1400 Anyone who wants to donate can contact Neighbors Organizing Against Racism through its Facebook page or by reaching out to Bowen's. He says they'll do the repainting the weekend of August 19th as part of a weekend of action. That Saturday we'll be repainting the Black Lives Matter mural. That Sunday we will be having the community celebration for the June Woods Park Memorial, which is formerly Broadway Park. Neighbors Organizing Against Racism received approval from the Benton Harbor City Commission to rename the park last year. June Woods Park is named for Junius Brutus Woods, a former slave who moved to Benton Harbor in the 1870s and started a nursery. Bowens invites everyone to come out for the weekend of action, noting a diverse group of southwest Michigan residents came together in 2020 to install the Black Lives Matter mural. The third annual Market Van Buren Awards event has honored several Van Buren and Cass County organizations for their efforts to improve the community. Market Van Buren's Zach Morris tells us the economic pioneer of the year is CHTUSA in Cassopolis. You really need to do something that's groundbreaking. You're moving stuff forward. And we really thought that CHTUSA was really doing things that they didn't have to do in the community, the way they're working with local colleges. They could have selected any site globally, and they selected Cassopolis. Morris says Midwest Energy and Communication in Cassopolis was named the community champion of the year for starting the Smart Park in Cassopolis. He notes the company is also in line for a major grant to expand broadband internet in southwest Michigan. 92% of the unserved parcels in Van Buren County are going to be served after this, and we believe it's six townships in Cass County. The Covert Township was named the Municipal Trailblazer of the Year for its efforts to acquire grants to improve the community. The Business Innovator of the Year is EQ United in Cassopolis, and the Best New Business of the Year award was split three ways between the Flat Rock Grill in Edwardsburg, the Holden Green Tavern in Cassopolis, and Creative Cove in Pawpaw. We are currently in peak tick season here in southwest Michigan. Berrien County Health Department epidemiologist Adriana Baker tells us there are plenty of places in the area where you might encounter ticks. Ticks 
especially love shady, moist, wooded areas with high grass or leaf litter. And in Berrien County, we have a lot of dunes where it's sandy, but especially where that meets the high grass and the wooded areas where they're not going to be washed away by the lake, they especially love those. Baker says if you've been out in such an area, you should thoroughly check your body for ticks when you get home. Also check pets. She says ticks most commonly transmit Lyme disease but carry other diseases like Rocky Mountain spotted fever. If you're going to be outdoors, wear long pants and sleeves. Baker says Berrien County last year had 35 reported cases of Lyme disease, and so far this year we're at 33. Set for next Friday is the Mike Yor Memorial Car Show in downtown St. Joseph. St. Joseph Today's uh, director, Amy Zapel, tells us they'll welcome the owners of vintage cars from all over the country to come and display their rides. features about 200 cars that are fantastic examples of beautiful craftsmanship, and they are just really, really cool cars. Zabel says the show will be Friday, July 14th from 4 to 8 p.m. along Lake Boulevard. Anyone can come down and see some automotive history while a DJ provides music. St. Joe Today's Daniel Crevere tells us the event is part of Love Local Weekend, which features extended shopping hours, featured menu items, and other specials downtown. We invite residents and visitors to just kind of celebrate and enjoy the Southwest Michigan community, visit those restaurants, breweries, wineries, do a little bit of shopping throughout Southwest Michigan. There's lots of places to explore. The Mike Yore Car Show is named for Mike Yore, who founded it as the Venetian Car Show. It was renamed in his honor in 2000. He was well-known in the community, helping to revitalize the downtown area before his death. You can find out more about the show at stjoetoday.com. And the Michigan Maritime Museum in South Haven is planning its 21st annual Fishboil fundraiser for next Saturday. The museum's Claire Herhold tells us they're serving up a locally caught fish donated to the museum. Uh, it's going to include lake fish, potatoes, onions in the fish boil, as well as some bread and coleslaw, and then finish off dinner with a cup of ice cream. Like most of our events, we're also going to have a 50-50 raffle going on, as well as a cash bar. So it's going to be lots of fun, good food, good people, and a beautiful place to take in a great meal. The event is also a major fundraiser for the museum. This is a really important annual event for us. Everything, not just the fish, but everything else, the tables, the napkins, the cups, the ice cream, everything is going to be donated. Herhold says there will be a raffle as part of the celebration. The fish boil is next Saturday from 5 to 8 p.m. Tickets can be bought at the door for $15 per plate and $10 for kids 12 and younger. A takeout option will be available. Anyone who wants to attend can just show up. WSJM News Now continues with your Bloomberg report. WSJM News Now continues, brought to you by Imperial Furniture in Dwozhak, where furniture shopping is fun. The Pentagon says a U.S. Navy destroyer prevented Iran from capturing two oil tankers in international waters. More from ABC's Luis Martinez. In separate incidents, the U.S. Navy destroyer USS McFall came to the rescue of two oil tankers that the Navy says Iran was trying to seize while they transited the Gulf of Oman. The Navy's Fifth Fleet said that one of the tankers was fired upon by the crew of an Iranian warship, but that there were no casualties or significant damage to the tanker. An Iranian official denied that the incidents had taken place. Since May, the U.S. Navy has increased the presence of its warships near the Strait of Hormuz after what it calls an uptick in Iranian merchant vessel seizures. Louis Martinez, ABC News, the Pentagon. Mass shootings broke out at festivals, block parties, and other gatherings in a handful of cities this week as the U.S. celebrated the 4th of July. Gun violence that flared in Washington, D.C., Louisiana, Philadelphia, Baltimore, Texas, and Florida left more than a dozen dead and about 60 wounded, including children as young as two years old. Police say at least three people were killed and 10 others wounded late Tuesday night in Shreveport, Louisiana. 
Nine people outside enjoying the Independence Day festivities in the nation's capital were shot and wounded early Wednesday. In Florida, a seven-year-old was fatally shot during an altercation between two groups gathered for celebrations along a causeway that crosses Tampa Bay. The Pentagon said today it would tighten existing security controls on access to classified information. ABC's Aaron Katursky tells us this follows the arrest and indictment of a Massachusetts Air National Guardsman accused of leaking classified material online. After a 45-day review, the Defense Department concluded there wasn't a single point of failure that allegedly allowed Jack Texera to use his security clearance to mine computer systems for classified documents he did not need to see and post them on Discord. Instead, the Pentagon found room for improvement in how it makes sure people are accessing only what they need to to do their jobs. As one official put it, it's not about restricting access to classified information. It's about validating need to know. Texera is charged with violating the Espionage Act, and he has pleaded not guilty. Aaron Kitursky, ABC News, New York. A member of the Central Park Five has won the Democratic primary for a seat in the New York City Council representing Central Harlem. The win all but assures Youssef Salam of eventual victory. Ranked choice voting tallies today show him with nearly 64 percent of first and second choice votes, making him the clear winner. Salam prevailed over two political veterans, as state assembly members Al Taylor and Inez Dickens. Salam was 15 when he was wrongly arrested in the rape and beating of a white woman jogging in Central Park in 1989. Salam and four other black and Latino teenagers were wrongly convicted and spent years in prison before they were exonerated. A preliminary test shows that the suspicious white powder found on Sunday in an area of the White House accessible to visitors was cocaine. ABC's Karen Travers has more. President Biden was not here at the time. He was at Camp David with family members, but there was a partial evacuation of that area of the West Wing where the substance was found, as well as a nearby area where White House reporters do work. One thing that's interesting, after hours in the West Wing, visitors are allowed to take tours of some of these areas. We asked the White House and the Secret Service, were there tours? over the weekend, they would not comment, but the Secret Service did say that that is information that is pertinent to their investigation. Ukraine and Russia are accusing each other of planning to attack one of the world's largest nuclear power plants, but neither side provided evidence to support their claims of an imminent threat to the facility in southeastern Ukraine that's occupied by Russian troops. The plant's been a focus of concern since Moscow's forces took control of it and its staff in the early stages of the war. Russia and Ukraine have usually traded blame over shelling near the plant that caused power outages. The six reactors are shut down, but the plant still needs power and qualified staff to run crucial cooling systems and other safety features. As President Biden launches a new student loan forgiveness plan after losing his case before the Supreme Court, House Republicans say they have their own plan to help borrowers. ABC's Ann Flaherty has more from Washington. House Republicans are calling it the FAIR Act. It would set into law the existing rule that borrowers only have to pay 10% of their discretionary income. It also would pause interest for anyone earning less than $46,000 a year. The bill is unlikely to pass the Democratic-controlled Senate or be signed by the president. Biden says his executive authority already allows him to set more favorable repayment terms. Ann Flaherty, ABC News, Washington. The planet's temperature spiked on Tuesday to its hottest day in at least 44 years and likely much longer. Wednesday could become the third straight day that global temperatures unofficially hit a record-breaking high. The numbers from the University of Maine's Climate Reanalyzer Project come on top of months of record warmth in the North Atlantic, record low sea ice in Antarctica, and a strengthening El Nino. Temperatures in cities across the globe are setting high marks for heat, and Wednesday's forecast shows little relief ahead. Higher temperatures translate into brutal conditions for people all over the world. 
And today is one of the busiest travel days of the year as many Americans head home from their long 4th of July weekend. ABC's Alex Stone is watching conditions. At airports, things are looking exceptionally good today compared to almost every day of the past week as United suffered scheduling problems because of thunderstorms and rain at its hubs in Newark, Chicago, and Denver. Today, much of that has cleared out. United has only about 30 canceled flights today, although that is still the most of any U.S. airline. And on the roads, 43 million Americans who drove on a trip are packing up and heading home. A 4% jump from the previous record set in 2019. Either way you travel, it's busy. Alex Stone, EBC News. WSJM News now continues with your weather forecast.